Oh, have you not heard? It was my understanding that everyone had heard. Heard what? Brian, don't! Yes, that's right, Peter Griffin. If you live in downtown Columbia, Missouri, or Fort Collins, Colorado, where I've been recently, or certainly in San Francisco, you know that recently the bird is indeed the word. You're correct, Mr. Peter Griffin. Except, I guess, if you are in San Francisco. Well, sorry, what am I talking about? And who am I? Well, actually, I'm John Miller, and this is the Everybody Trades Podcast. And what I'm talking about is these bird scooters, the electronic, skinny, two-wheeled scooters that you're now seeing throughout all of urban America, seemingly. Except in certain municipalities where I suppose they've banned it. I know there was talk about that in San Francisco, Because certain people were so upset with bird electronic scooters lying, being left by their previous rental renters, I should say, on the sidewalk that there were people actually smearing fecal matter on said scooters in order to, I guess, deter people from using them, obviously. I guess that would deter me from using it, so mission accomplished, I suppose. But I just think this whole battle shows a very interesting dynamic that human beings face in the matter of private property and public property you see obviously these bird scooters are private property they're owned by the company or the individuals i don't i'll be completely frank how does this bird thing work see i know you take your phone you scan a qr code and you pay to rent it for a while and then all the scooters have gps tracking in them This part I understand, and then you're able to just essentially leave it wherever you want, and then the company pays other people to come pick up these electronic scooters throughout the day. Now, the part that I don't quite understand is who exactly owns the scooters. Is it a giant company? Is it sort of like Uber where multiple people just own a select amount of scooters of their own choosing? I really have absolutely no idea how they figure out the supply of scooters or who figures it out and who's taking that chance essentially that's what i don't understand about the whole bird dynamic but what i do understand is while some people might think that these bird scooters are an ostensibly public transportation option where anybody can literally anybody can take a bird i suppose who has a smartphone and the amount of dollars to pay the fee to rent the bird I suppose anybody can take it. So in a way, that is a public thing in the same way that the Columbia Mall or any other mall throughout this country or world is a public space where people are allowed to sort of come and go as they please. But here's the key distinction. Let's not mistake that for a public place that is funded by tax dollars. You see, a A mall, while a public place where ostensibly anybody can come and go into the food court or the Barnes & Noble or the JCPenney's or whatever it might be, it's still the security of that place, for instance, and the roads around it and everything else is funded by the people who own the mall and indirectly by the consumers who actually buy things in said mall. So that gets us back to these electronic bird scooters. To me, the problem here is not obviously that these scooters exist. It's that they're being 
laid and left on public sidewalks. Sidewalks that ostensibly are owned by the public, the quote-unquote taxpayers. But really, it doesn't affect, obviously, all taxpayers the same when five scooters are left out in front of somebody's business, for instance. That may hurt foot traffic. It may do all sorts of things. It's basically an eyesore, is what business owners argue. And they don't want, just for instance, or apartment building, tenants, whatever it might be, if you're trying to bring in your groceries, I could understand why you wouldn't want to possibly trip over a electronic scooter, an electric scooter. I keep saying electronic. Really, it's an electric scooter. An electric scooter that you don't see at night. You could easily trip over it or something. I understand all of this. That's actually a great point. But again, this is where safety starts to erode in terms of public property because the incentives are just not there. When somebody doesn't have direct ownership, they also don't have direct responsibility when something bad happens. You don't there's nobody nobody likes lawyers, I get it, but when there's nobody responsible, there's nobody to sue. There's nobody to take legal action against when somebody is negligent. I mean, when the government is negligent, how often do people get settlements from them? We they had a gigantic dam failure in California recently, and they've had massive failures where they've accidentally seeped horrible, toxic liquids into parts of the Colorado River in recent years. Who held the government responsible for that? Did the government hold hold themselves responsible for that? I'm not sure if they did, but even if they did, who would who would they take the money from? Who would they pay them off with? Well, they'd take it from us to pay to other people who are victimized by the government. That actually makes society poorer even further so than once they destroyed the dam, allowed it to fail, and allowed people's water supply to be contaminated. Suffice it to say, if a bunch of bird electronic scooters were being left all over a mall, then the purveyors of the mall would take those matters into their hands. It's easily their property. I mean, essentially, if you leave something on my front lawn, it becomes mine at a certain point. Like, you don't just get to leave things on my property. That's called trespassing, a.k.a. littering, etc. I mean, there's all kinds of property violations there that are quite obvious. But again, if I'm a taxpayer, then I guess I can just leave my bird wherever I want to on this public sidewalk. I'm just saying the outcomes aren't very good when nobody owns something. You see, some people are going to love these these scooters and some, some people are going to use them constantly. And in many ways, that's great. Even the people who don't necessarily use them can look at it and say, hey, it's congesting traffic less. That's a good thing for me. Maybe if you're worried about the environment, you think, hey, this uses less energy. This is a win-win. Great. Outstanding. Well, that's all well and good. But again, if you're a business owner, if you're a person that lives downtown where a lot of these birds happen to be, again, this is a subjective value dispute that really can't ever be fully resolved without somebody being left unhappy at the end of the day. And that's Really, why I my whole point. The bottom line is, private property is better. When somebody owns it, it's cleaner, it's safer, and people are happier at the end of the day. 
and things like birds. Really, an airplane is the ultimate example of what the bird is. You see, I've never owned an airplane, and I'm quite certain that none of you listening to this have ever owned an airplane, and probably you never will. But I've flown on an airplane, and you probably have too. Is that a public good? Well, I guess so, since all of us are able to buy an airplane ticket for the most part and get on an airplane if we have the means and the time, etc., etc. So again, that is a, quote, public good. And guess who's paying for most of that? It's the people who are in first class. The rich are paying for this public good for the most part. And notice how there's no supposed free rider problem on an airplane. Nobody free rides on an airplane. Now, not everybody pays equal on an airplane either. The people who get earlier reservations generally pay less, and obviously the people who want first class or business class or upgrade to more room in the exit row, etc., are willing to pay for that, and that all works out just fine. But again, there's no free rider problem, and essentially the richer, presumably, first class passenger is essentially subsidizing everyone in coaches ticket if you want to look at it that way just like the rich people or just the early adopters of any new technology are always sort of the guinea pigs in a weird way that's why frankly not that rich people are only own alexas or google home smart speakers but i've always i've felt so far that I don't want to be in the guinea pig class of that, but maybe I'm wrong. That's just sort of my general philosophy. I don't want to be in the guinea pig class of technology, but there are lots of people out there who want to have the latest and the greatest of whatever it might not be. Not just technology, but automobiles, houses, any anything you could possibly think of. Those people are always going to be paying a high premium for that new thing, whatever it might be. And they're going to be the ones who are going to be the guinea pigs, and we're going to work the kinks out. Really, we should thank those people because I don't want to do it. I don't want to be the new adopter of technology. Vladimir Lenin once supposedly said that if the rich are unhappy, it's their own fault. Well, historically, I think we're all rich. And also, in a previous episode, I stated that utopia is not a finish line. What I was really getting at there is utopia is relative. And the truth in what Lenin said there, that if the rich are unhappy, it's their own fault. I think if that's true, it's certainly, he said that a hundred plus years ago, my God, then none of us really have any excuse to be unhappy. But of course, from day to day, happiness is a weird thing, isn't it? You see, that's the funny thing about equality, too. That's one thing I push back against on people being equal. You see, I I definitely subscribe to the theory that I'm not even equal to my own self, depending on the day or the hour or whatever it might be. For instance, earlier this week, I was a little just sort of lethargic and not really wanting to do anything as far as uh, recording a podcast. But now, guess what? I've done two two, two in a row consecutive days that's what i'm trying to say but again what i'm getting at here don't let people don't let people's position in life dictate your happiness or your level of satisfaction stop comparing yourself to other people 
at least the people that you want something from. It's sort of like, really, it goes back to envy, doesn't it? It's one of those biblical original sins that we're not supposed to to lean into is envy. But yet we seem to be leaning into it a lot. One thing I've done the last few days is my Uncle John sent me about 120 old pictures from literally great-great-grandparents and great-uncles and all these different people who were born, in some cases, 200 years ago. And just seeing what their lives were like and the progress that they made as a family just to get me and my relatives to this point in our lives. I mean, just seeing something like that. Now, compare yourself to people 200 years ago, 500 years ago, thousands of years ago. Now, that will make you feel good. That's the kind of comparison that you should make. You see, you should always be grateful for what you have, even if the stock market has taken a nosedive the last few days. And hey, guess what? I told you not to panic yesterday. And we had a nice update today, didn't we? Now, I'm not doing backflips just yet, but I got to tell you, a positive attitude is a great thing to have in life, and it sure as hell is a good thing to have in the stock market, too. And you know what? I like that. I like that ender. Let's cap it right there. For this, another episode of the Everybody Trades Podcast. Have a good weekend, everybody. Go Oh my God, Peter, are you all right? Papa pa o mama o mao papa o mao mama papa pa o mama o mao papa o mao mama papa o mama o mao papa o mao mama o mama o mao papa o mao mama papa o mama o mao papa o mao mama